Welcome to Copilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also sometimes some holiday movies. Yeah. Are we professionals yet? Are we allowed to do this? No. Are we still infringing on territory? We're still infringing on territory. We'll always be doing that. Oh, okay. So last year, we took our Christmas special and reviewed one of the best holiday movies of all time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely one of the best. I mean, I had a talk with a friend of ours, and he told me it was the best holiday movie in his opinion. Look, I'm not saying it's always right, but when we agree on something, <laughs> you know we're right. I don't know if that's true, but I'll accept it for this one. Anyways, we, last year we reviewed Jingle All the Way, a Christmas movie from the 90s that if it wasn't part of your childhood, I feel sorry for you. Because it means you're either too old or too young to have suffered that joy. Yeah, he's not wrong. There are only two times Arnold Schwarzenegger should be associated with Christmas. That's if you're watching the Batman movie when he's Mr. Freeze, because I think that one takes place around Christmas. Also, he does snow stuff. And, of course, when he dresses up as the immaculate, perfect superhero everyone dreams of, Turbo Man. This year, on the other hand, we're taking a step back away from holiday blockbusters, and we're turning our eyes to television. That thing we mostly do. This year, we're reviewing Lifetime's Christmas special, Candy Cane Christmas. Pretty recently, too. It's from 2020. Yeah. We became aware of this movie because a person we associate with on the internet is actually in this movie. Yeah. But we're going to keep that all a little bit on the down low because they've shown hesitance to be associated with this film. And I can't blame them. Yeah. Not that the film is bad, but that it's very much a made-for-television Christmas special. Look, when I say I can't blame them, I just mean I can't blame anybody that doesn't want to be associated with a Lifetime or Hallmark Christmas movie. Yeah. Like, if anybody was like, yeah, I don't want anybody to know I was in that, 100%. This was actually a very good Lifetime Christmas movie. Yeah. Which means it was like a five and a half or a six out of ten on like a normal movie scale. Agreed. So you want to dive into it? You want to dive into Candy Cane Christmas? Sure. So we start this movie in a car. The little girl's looking out saying all these beautiful, wonderful Christmas lights coating the landscape. If you've lived in the Midwest for any portion of your life, you know what these are. It's like a community or like a local organization gets together and puts all these Christmas lights and decorations up. And, and then your parents force you into a vehicle despite your protest like, and you are forcibly driven around. They're like, don't you want to go see the Christmas lights? And you're like, no, mom, I want to fucking play my PlayStation. Maybe I want to read a book. Anything else. Why please. do I Why do I want to drive around and look at Christmas lights? I don't know if you, under, you have learned this from our show yet, but we're kind of scrooges when it comes to Christmas. I mean, I enjoy like the, spending time with family and like exchanging gifts and stuff, but like all the rigmarole around Christmas, the decorations... Be like blatant capitalism. All that, eh, eh. Could do without. But yeah, so that's what this is. It's a little girl riding around with her parents looking at Christmas lights. And don't get me wrong, some of these decorations are really cool. Like the light tunnel. There was a dragon. That was the dopest of them. I missed the dragon, I guess. Yeah, there there was a dragon. It was breathing fire. He was on the screen long. I was like, that doesn't feel like it fits, but I like it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, eventually, they come to a stop at a house. Yeah. And they get out, and this little girl runs to meet one of her friends. They're both overly excited about a giant gingerbread house that I assume is not made of gingerbread, so there's no reason to be excited. Yeah, I I doubt gingerbread has the structural integrity to build a house big enough for children to go inside Mm -hmm. of. I could be wrong, though. Cooking channels. Prove me wrong. So, they're greeted by a Mrs. Louise McGraw. Mrs. McGraw, yep. Who gives them candy canes, and then they run off. Go see Santa. Yeah, and that's basically the end of this. The young girl who we originally see in the car just wishes that she can come to candy. Yeah, she's posing with her friend, Mm -hmm. and she's like, I I wish, I have the exact quote, I want to go to Candy Cane Lane every year forever. So, obviously, that's the plot of the movie. 
more so though i will say having like a small community christmas thing like this is is kind of cool like for children because the same oh, yeah. this the actor playing santa like within the world of this knows the children by name mm-hmm. which as a kid is like yeah is it santa the one here who gives us her name or does her friend yell it? we learn her name is phoebe somewhere in here either way santa does say her name which is yeah. the coolest shit like as a kid that would like be like fuck santa is real not that Santa isn't real. I got into an argument with CJ about this yesterday. He says Santa is fake, but he's from Florida, so what does he know? I'm gonna agree with him. Santa's not real. <laughs> if Santa's real, I have to face the existential dread that like vampires and werewolves and all these other terrifying things might exist. It's like the same time when I when someone tells me I should believe in any form of religion, my brain goes, "But if that's real, all these horrible things too." I'm gonna go with no. Yeah, but if if God is real and religion is real. That means demons are real. Which is terrifying. It's not terrifying. Demons have hooves, um, forward-facing, side, um, rectangular pupils, and horns. They are, by definition, herbivores. (laughs) Most likely, not necessarily. They are prey animals. Highly evolved prey animals with magical powers. (laughs) Doesn't stop them from being prey animals. (laughs) Look, we're not like top tier predator animals. We just murder things with really pointy things. Whether that be a, a long pointy stick or a tiny pointy thing shot from a barrel. Look, I'm just saying if demons are real, they're prey animals. They're herbivores. Honestly, based on Bible depictions of angels, yeah, I could see why demons would be herbivores and prey animals. 37 eyes and a giant will and it's on fire and like obviously that's the predator of the relationship. Yeah, there's no way to hide from that shit. <laughs> that that flaming will of eyes is gonna find you and it's gonna murder your ass. But anyways, after this picture, we move forward in time and it is now modern day, which is a bit awkward because that car they were driving around in looked pretty um up to date. Yeah, it looked pretty new. Nothing in the previous scene hints at all that it was supposed to take place in like the 90s. I immediately assumed it was because I've watched way too many Lifetime and Hallmark Christmas movies because I've been roped into them by people. Not me. Yay. I have never roped him into watching any Hallmark or Lifetime Christmas movie. No. Until this one. No, that's other family that does that. Anyways, we're at a flower shop called Seeing Green Flower Shop, and Phoebe and her friend from the previous scene, Lori, are the owners. Yeah. They've always wanted to run a store together. Mrs. McGraw, the woman who ran the candy heat lane la- mm-hmm. back when they were children, comes in, and she wants to talk to Phoebe alone. So they go on a walk. We also learn here, though, that when they were children, they didn't want to be florists. No, they wanted to open or run a business based around training ballerina astronauts, which, let's face it, would have been dope. I don't know about the practicality. I think flowers but might it, be more practical. Dude, zero gravity ballet would actually be pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. So let's boil it down to the quick and short. Mrs. McGraw is the one that runs the Candy Cane Lane Festival every year. Yeah. And she has sold her house and is moving to California to live with her son, who she hasn't seen in years. And Candy Caneling is no longer happening anymore. Because a lot of the other people there are like, not there. Or, you know, it's been at least 20 years, probably more, because uh, assumingly they were like eight. And then the actress playing Phoebe, who is played by Beverly Mitchell in this um, Lucy Camden from 7th Heaven. It's like 40-something. I don't think her age is a good way to gauge this. I don't think so either, but I couldn't find the age of her best friend, like that actress. I think... So so I'm assuming I would actually say they don't have her playing her actual age, so I'm saying like maybe 30 to 35. I think it's early 30s, late 20s, because the love interest of the show... I'm saying probably mid-30s, because the main love interest has a line about the barista, about her being too young. And she doesn't look to be in her, like, mid to young 20s. Well, I was thinking late 20s, early 30s, because our main character, the main love interest, 
is a veterinarian. We'll get to that mm-hmm. eventually. And he's been in business for at least a few years. I don't know exactly how long a veterinarian degree takes, but I would assume it's like... It's about the same length as a doctorate. Yeah, except you get paid way less. Yeah, but the schooling's also a bit less. Just a bit. But yeah, so I was assuming like minimum he's like 28, 29, 30. That just felt right. Yeah, but the dialogue implies that he's older. But not that much older. The barista could be like 1920. She does not look 1920. But it's movies. People don't play their exact age. It's fine. But it's definitely been at least a bare minimum of 20 years, I'd say. Yeah, that feels feels like a solid guess. Anyways, though, so Candy Lane, Candy Cane Lane, not happening this year. And so she is very, very upset and has to talk to her friend about it, which here is the thing that I first noticed, and it bothers me on the rest of the film. Okay. Almost every actor, I say almost every because there are a few that don't, are constantly, perpetually smiling to a degree that it becomes creepy. Especially, like, in this scene, Phoebe's friend Lori has several moments where she's smiling, and it looks kind of like someone's used Joker gas on her. Yeah, I'm sorry. Before this conversation with Lori, I didn't want to, like, this isn't an exact quote, but this is the boiling down of what Mrs. McGraw tells Phoebe, and it's essentially, isn't it just better to let traditions die and to let them change, which, um, from my understanding, traditions changing, like as they get reiterated on, is part of what makes traditions traditions. Like they grow and become something new, and like they take on their own personality. And it's not about being the exact same steps every single time, forever and ever. Yeah. So this scene basically just ends with Ms. McGraw uh, telling Phoebe she'll still find a way to make Christmas magical. And then we leave those two, and we cut over to a black SUV pulling up outside of a cafe yeah i just my text says cut to a handsome guy getting coffee he is handsome yeah and he gets coffee here so frequently that he has a usual and so the barista gets him as usual has him taste test some baked goods and then gives him the coffees for free because he was a taste tester Mm -hmm. Uh, not and it's definitely not because she has a thing for him oh god no no not at all turns out he's a veterinarian at a vet clinic and he got not just himself a coffee but both the receptionist and the other veterinarian yes coffees i i assume adam's a veterinarian i well he's also wearing a white coat and is at a like two or three points handed additional files like they split the files that they have in half so assumedly patient files do veterinarians refer to their animals as patients yeah i have no idea i would assume that just feels right yeah they also refer to all of the pets as puppies (laughs) doggies Okay, so straight up, just a thing to clarify here, because I think for the most part, we're just going to be talking about the character this way, despite probably not being this way. The, you, so the best interpretation of this film is to treat Eric, the main male love interest, as a himbo. Yes, otherwise he's really hard to like, mm-hmm. because he is both completely like unaware and a dick. But if he's Because just, his unawareness kind of makes him a dick. But if he's just stupid, he's lovable and charming. Yeah, because if he's stupid, he's lovable, charming, and handsome, which is, you know makes a himbo anyways adam and can't remember her name sylvia i think they called it i think her name was sylvia adam and the receptionist sylvia give eric a hard time because they're like oh yeah she just gave you the free coffees because you're a taste tester that's exactly what it is it's not because she's into you at all yeah it did this weird thing that basically happy christmas movies have to do where they're taunting and teasing of him can't come across as like too much so it feels kind of distanced so I actually couldn't tell how good of friends these three were supposed to be because it felt vaguely more like co-worker jibing. Well, it should be mentioned that we shortly find out that the reason they're giving us such a hard time about the barista is because he, he got broke up with last Christmas 
and yes. has been single for a year and they're just trying to get him back out into like the dating world mm-hmm. to which end adam the other veterinarian invites eric to a party that his restaurant is having a restaurant he invested in. because he's an investor in the restaurant yeah he doesn't own the restaurant yes he owns a portion of the restaurant so adam invites him to this investor thing and eric reluctantly agrees just like fine one night just drop yeah, it after essentially that. but like the main reason adam's inviting him is because he's setting him up on like a blind date with another yes. investor for the restaurant and eric finally concedes he's like fine but it's just dinner i'm not like committing myself to anything more. yeah and then we're back at the flower shop, and we learn that the wreaths Phoebe is making are selling well and stuff. Well, this is also where Lori finds out there's no more candy cane lane. Yes. She tells her everything about Louise moving and all that. This is also where Lori's like, hey, I have this new centerpiece for the store. Yes. I know normally we put a Christmas tree up, but it's kind of wasted floor space because we don't actually sell Christmas trees. And this way, we can put this new centerpiece up, and it's not only a, like a display, but it's stuff we can actually sell. It's floor space for mm-hmm. merchandise. It's a Christmas tree made from poinsettias that they got in earlier that yeah. day. Uh, we yeah earlier in the movie we get introduced to a character named Joel. Joe. Uh, Joe. Sorry, I I want to keep putting an L on his name. I know it's Joe because we've talked too much about the last of us in the last like week. Oh, that makes sense. But yeah, his name is Joe. He has some brief lines with Phoebe. Phoebe and Lori briefly in this first time we see him. And he's just delivering flowers. Honestly, though, out of Mrs. McGraw, the parents, Lori, Phoebe, the two people from the veterinarian clinic, the barista, and Eric. Joe has the best delivery for his lines out of all the characters. Yeah, in this first part, most definitely. Yeah. And also, he comes across in his dialogue even in just the writing for it, as one of the more human people. Yeah, that, some, that's some why his dialogue can, feels the best, yeah, because everybody else feels so tilted. The line construction for a lot of this just seems odd. I mean, it, it seems like a Christmas movie. It, it's because Christmas movies are small town born. <laughs> small town born, yes. So, for anybody who hasn't grown up in a small town or lived in a small town, when we say small town porn, you're not going to really know what we're meaning. But small town porn is like when a movie or a book or media attempts to paint small towns in this light of where, oh, they're so great. Everybody knows each other. It's such a nice, tight community and everybody's friends with each other. and It's all happy go lucky. And every single Christmas movie not set in New York or L.A. is small town porn. Yeah, always. It makes this idealized, perfect place. And it's just like, and they're always way more wealthy than like every small town ever. You have, you have a few pretty wealthy small towns. That exist in America, at least. Yeah. And they are, you have some that are extremely wealthy, but, it, but those aren't the small I, towns that people are going to be able to move to and shit. Well, I think like a big portion of small town porn is the juxtaposition of it against a larger city. Yes. And in this case, we do get that in this movie where Eric is talking about how he used to fly back and forth between here and New York City mm-hmm. to be with his ex because she got a job out there and he just didn't vibe with the city life yeah we also get like the fact that phoebe and laurie seem a bit weirded out the fact that mrs mcgraw is moving to california Mm -hmm. there's this whole oh why would you want to be anywhere except a small town small towns are the best yeah and having grown up and currently living in a small town no it's not like, like i've been to cities i've lived in cities they both have their ups and downs but like yeah i'm not gonna say small towns are bad but they're not anywhere near as great as they're made out to be yeah that's gonna be our rant about small town porn mm-hmm. um but yeah so Lori has this display of poncetia bouquets that she put together because she's like we normally put a christmas tree here but this is merchandise we can make money off this and it looks great and Lori's like no sorry phoebe L- is Lori's just like, one that set up yeah. this display and phoebe's like yeah but i wish you would have talked to me about it first why are we changing our traditions why why do we gotta change this why do we have to change why can't we just do the exact same thing forever yeah. why am i such a whiny bitch 
<laughs> so this is where Lori's basically just like, look, you never fucking change. You just let things stagnate. You hate change. And Phoebe's trying to be like, no, I'm not. And Lori's just like listing things that Phoebe won't ever change. Look, the first thing she lists, she's like, you get the same coffee every morning. I was like, that's just practical. Oh, yeah, yeah. I no, was like, like, who changes their coffee order? Look, I change my coffee order between like two things. And it's generally like, sometimes I want something ridiculously, stupidly sweet. But like, it wasn't but just it's like, either like that or an Americano generally with an extra shot of espresso so like, that already has too much. If you're like midday getting a coffee, yeah, that's when you experiment. But when you're getting up and heading to work, oh yeah, you don't experiment with shit with your nah, coffee. Like, no, nah, that's when I get an Americano. Yeah, like being like, you get the same coffee every morning on your way to work. I'm like, yeah, 99% of Americans do that. That's called normal. And then she's like, and you always eat a bagel for lunch. And I was like, the fuck? Yeah, who that's the fuck does so that? fucking wild. Who does that? You're right, Lori. Phoebe needs to fucking change. Yeah. And Phoebe like asks, well, why didn't you at least talk to me? And Lori's just like, because if I'd asked... You would have convinced me not to do it. Because change is so bad. Yeah. Literally implying that oh. Phoebe also holds back her friend from being able to change or do things. And the best part is Phoebe's like, but well, what if we sell one? Then it's going to look bad. And we have more in the back. We can like, replace it. And Phoebe's like, are you sure? She's like, no, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I don't know what our stock looks like. My bad. And then she, but she, no, actually, she's like, yes, I'm sure. Also, Joe has more we can get if we need them. Like, Yeah. Also, you want to sell them. Why are you upset if we sell them? Oh no, it doesn't look as great. Cool, that's incentive to sell more of them. Also, if you have something that was clearly, obviously a display of these things and you are losing some, it implies to people that those are selling well for a reason, which generally encourages people to buy them more. It's a simple psychology of marketing. Stores are laid out in specific reasons. That's why displays like these actually exist. It's why PepsiCo, when they go to a fucking Walmart, put so much effort into like making NFL signs during an NFL season out of their fucking cans. To be fair, that just looks cool as fuck. It does, like, and it sells them very well. Did you know that they don't get special training or anything on how to do that? Like, It's so stupid. It's so cool, though. God. Anyways, we cut to Eric driving his big black SUV, and he stops at a stop sign and looks to his right, and there's the Ponsetia Christmas tree display. And he just glances over, and he says the best lines, and the points where I decided this man is a himbo. Also, this is the single best delivered line in the entire movie, bar none. Mm -hmm. This movie does not get better after this point. This is the peak. So he looks to the right, glances at them, and he's just like, flowers? Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's all there is, and I love it. I know we're not selling it that well based on just that, but goddamn, it's so good. He's like he he's questioning whether or not they're flowers. Like so, like okay, so he's not actually questioning if they're flowers. He's questioning if he needs flowers. Yes, but it comes across as he looks at it. He's like, are those flowers? You know what? Yeah, yeah, they are flowers. And oh god. I just want some fucking action hero in an action movie, like Vin Diesel or somebody that like have this exact set of lines and then never reference it ever again. Like Vin Diesel pulls it to a stoplight, looks over at a flower shop, and he he looks like he's looking at flowers. He's like, flowers? Yeah. And then he stops the gas, pills out of there. No reference to this ever again. I just, ah, uh, so good. So then we see Phoebe closing up the shop, and then Eric rushes up, knocks on the door, even though she's just changed it to close. See, now, this is where if we interpret him to be a selfish asshole, he's a selfish asshole, because nobody in the fucking world should, after a store is closed, especially a store like a flower shop, try to insist that they need flowers after the store is closed. Yes. He doesn't realize that this is an owner. This could just be like a normal person that works at eight-hour shift and is just trying to go home because they've worked their eight hours and they want to go home. But no, he's like knocking on the glass. He's like, hey, can I get something? Hey. Just two minutes. Just two minutes. Which, this is where if you interpret him as just too stupid to know how to read, he's a better character. Yeah. He's just like, 
Why won't the door open? I just need two minutes. Please, two minutes? Yes. So this is where we have taken the chance and the opportunity to make the movie a more pleasurable, enjoying time to watch. And I've chosen Eric as a himbo. Because if you don't interpret it as a himbo... This thing just makes me angry as a person who has dealt with that shit. I end up with my nose looking like this. Eric is a dick. He claims he needs flowers for an emergency. He's a dick. I hate both of these people. Phoebe sucks. Eric sucks. They both sucks. God, do they suck. Fuck. She can't change and he's a dick and doesn't care about anybody else. Fuck this movie. That's what you end up with if you don't assume he's a himbo. If you assume he's a himbo, you're like, oh, okay, he just can't read. Yeah. So... Also, I still hate Phoebe, though. God. Oh, yeah. So he says it's a Christmas emergency, and she then she's all just like, oh, let me guess, if you don't get some flowers, everyone in the world's Christmas spirit will be gone. And he's just like, yeah, it, it's a Christmas emergency, but only for a small part of it, me, and it's really important. And like, I actually kind of like that back and forth for him. It does come across as kind of like focusing oh, on the fact well, that- Oh, it's also because it makes him a himbo again. It does! She's like, let me guess, everybody in the world's going to lose their Christmas spirit. He's like, oh, No. Just a small part of the world will lose their Christmas spirit. But a really important part to me. I love Eric as a himbo. Like, this is the most generous interpretation of a movie I've ever had. Like, where, where I actively, I know I'm actively reading the movie wrong, but it's just better if I do. Yes. So eventually he gets some poinsettias and she assumes they're for a girl. And he's just, he says yes. So they are, assumedly. They are. They yeah, are indeed. So we cut to him and he's at an old person's place now. And it turns mm-hmm. out he bought the poinsettias for his Aunt Maggie. Yes, and Aunt Maggie is by far my favorite character in this. Even when we do read Eric as a himbo, I love Aunt Maggie. She is the perfect stereotype of like an old lady who's kind of meddlesome in like people's love lives, but not to the overly annoying degree. She's yeah. just fun. Well, there's there's a scene, and like I don't care if we skip around. This is a this is a lifetime Christmas movie. Nobody's gonna watch it unless they watch it live later tonight in the Copilot's Review Discord. At what, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We can point what, out to you all what? the tiny things that definitely prove Eric is a himbo. Uh, nobody's One specific gonna, scene. Nobody's going to watch it unless that's the literal case. It, tonight, Chris, Christmas Day night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Kobayashi Review Discord. Otherwise, nobody's going to watch this, and I don't care if we skip around. So Unless it's on Lifetime and you just binge through Lifetime stuff. So... Aunt Maggie, again, I agree, is one of my favorite characters because Lori sets Phoebe up on a blind date at one point in the movie without Phoebe knowing. Yeah. And it's like the dickest thing a friend's ever done to a friend ever. It's horrible. But then Aunt Maggie sets things up so Phoebe and Eric end up, like, essentially blind dating each other. But, yes. like, they've met each other in the past, so it's not quite as bad. But she does it in a manner that's not awkward for everyone. And I'm like, oh, God, I love you, Aunt Maggie. You're so good. The way she does it presents ounce for people. Yeah. The way Lori does it, there's no out if you do something. No, it is awkward for literally everyone. The only out is making somebody look like a dick here. Yeah. So Maggie's like just giving Eric a hard time because she's just like, All what the fuck are you doing? Work, work, yeah. work, no matter what. <laughs> I just killed you, didn't I? <laughs> I'm just imagining Maggie's actress doing that and I'm loving it, okay? <laughs> So Maggie's just giving him a hard time, but quickly, like, what the fuck are you doing here with us old ladies? Like, come I, on, man. I'm the perfect amount of drunk on eggnog right now. So she's giving him a hard time about not going out, not doing anything, and just constantly spending his nights here with old ladies. And he's just like, well, I'm going out this weekend to a, a party. Next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's surprised. She's just like, okay, I guess I can't complain about you staying here for dinner. And this is where I've made another choice in my head about Eric. 
because Eric works all the time and later we see his some of his house and it's very, very empty. I don't think Eric knows how to cook. So I think he just comes to the nursing home all the time to get free food. Well, you know, he just sometimes walks into the kitchen. And we we learn food. later that it, literally he says, oh, I just go in the kitchen and grab some food sometimes. He literally just goes to the nursing home and steals their food. <laughs> so good. We also learned during this scene, though, that this is the first Christmas he's spending in this town mm-hmm. in a really long time. Because normally he would go, normally he'd be out of town traveling. We don't learn why. I already spoiled why earlier. Yeah. But, yeah. And Maggie insists, well, fucking decorate for Christmas then. Yep. Next day, Phoebe shows up with some cocoa at Seeing Green. Mm-hmm. Apparently, business is going well. The poinsettias are selling. and Yeah. And we learn that it's been going pretty well because her dad shows up and her dad's just like, how's things going? How's it been? And then she gets mad at her dad because her dad knew Candy Cane Lane wasn't happening before yeah. she did. I wouldn't say she gets mad. Oh, she, gets she gets upset. She's not upset where like she's upset that some, the knowledge was kept from her. She's mad because the thing that she loves is being taken away and nobody told her. Yeah. She's super self-entitled. Jesus. Yeah, and her dad, for a moment, is just like, well, you can do candy, the candy cane lane stuff. And she's just like, well, the other people there aren't really interested. And he's like, okay, then do something else. There's a bunch of things you can do. Find a new tradition or a new thing to put time into. And he suggests doing like a Toys for Tots thing. I think he's the one that mentions it. Yeah, something like that. Anyways, the next scene is juxtaposed scenes of both Eric and Phoebe setting up their Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. And I have a few notes here just as disagrees with some of them. But let me, I think you're right. I'm just saying technically it's let me, possible. Let me just run it from the top. Um, we see both Phoebe and Eric's houses for the first time. Yes, they are both struggling to get Christmas trees inside. For some reason, Phoebe's house is much nicer than Eric's. Yeah. And keep in mind, she runs a flower shop. I'm not saying flower shops can't be successful. I'm not saying you can't make money doing that. It's also a knickknack shop. I'm, I'm just saying that um, in general, flower shop not equaling being super wealthy. Whereas Eric is a veterinarian, and although veterinarians don't get paid near as much as doctors, they do tend to still make a decent living. True, true. His house is both smaller, bare, and less furnished than hers. Yeah. Which might just be because he went through a messy breakup and like lost some of his stuff in the breakup. We don't know for sure. But uh, what I really want to boil down to is Phoebe cannot own her home. I don't think she can. Unless her parents are rich, she doesn't own this house. And arguably her parents are rich because they had a car from like 2210 <laughs> in the 1900s. 1900- 1990s. 19, like, yes. So the only other reasonable way I think she could own her home is given that this is a generally wealthy town and her house is maybe just far enough outside to be a bit cheaper and that she bought it and has thus since then done some renovations, which I think... Are you assuming that she could do renovations? No, I'm assuming she probably forced her father to do it. We don't know what he does. He looks like he'd be in construction. <laughs> Fair point. And so I think it's kind of reasonable to assume this because the foyer area looks pretty nice and well done. But her kitchen is so fucking low end. I think she just hasn't gotten around to renovating her kitchen. I think she's doing it bit by bit. Okay. I just... Actually, I have no opinion about this. He was just going off about it. I'm like, well, technically you could do it this way. I I got visibly angry at the fact that 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 a millennial, honestly to God, a millennial... Yeah. Could A, own this house that's definitely two to three bedroom house... With no by room- themselves. With no roommates, by themselves, and for their profession, they run a flower shop. You know, I think it does arguably a really negative look at... It, it reinforces the idea of the fact that millennials could have all these things if they just worked hard. I don't know how... Like, okay, so... Which is, I would say, problematic when you look at a large demographic for, like, just the Lifetime channel is an old older people? generation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it reinforces the ideals, which aren't good. 
So don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of it either. I'm just saying, arguably, technically, it's possible movies can get away with it. Movies and television are constantly showing people living above their means. Like, yeah, because movies... Seinfeld does it, Frasier does it, Friends does it. Friends has a bit of an explanation, but it's bad. Movies are dreams, and dreams don't require explanations. Right, Christopher Nolan? Fuck that shit. But anyways, so Phoebe gets to baking, and she's making cookies, and Eric is putting the light strands on his And she realizes she needs vanilla for her cookies. And Eric's lights go on. Which, I mean, how do you... How do you start baking things and not know what you need and not realize you don't have it? Better question, how do you not have multiple things of vanilla in your cabinet? Because you every time you go shopping, you're like, oh, I need to pick up some vanilla. And then yeah. you get home and you're like, god damn it, I still have half a thing of vanilla. I have three things of cinnamon in my pantry. <laughs> and two things of vanilla. Hey, like, hey, one is actual vanilla, one is vanilla imitation. I don't know how people do it. How, I don't... Mainly, I don't know how you start cooking something and don't have all the ingredients. Yeah, no, for I it. don't either. Like that just seems irresponsible and not like somebody who can manage their money well enough to buy a house when they're in their late twenties, early thirties, and own a shop that they have to like manage to break even on at the very least. I'd agree. So Phoebe needs to get vanilla, mm-hmm. and then Eric, his Christmas lights are flickering on and off. And honestly, I've never seen Christmas lights do this unless it was a power socket issue. There could be a short in the cable, actually. That's also possible. Yeah, but typically with shorts and Christmas lights, like, all of them run well up until a certain point, and then all of the rest of them are just garbage. Well, yeah, but, like, technically you have a short in one ball that's causing a connection issue, so you are still getting electricity through, but it's kind of jumping and not working well. Anyways, though, so they both go to the grocery store, and what do you know, they run into each other. And there's this free sample table with styrofoam cups of hot chocolate, and they both reach for the last hot chocolate, and their hands touch, and, um... Then Eric is like... Oh, you can have it. Also, aren't you the girl from that flower shop? Yeah. It should be mentioned that Lori and Phoebe had a conversation earlier where Lori was like, well, why don't you ask him out or so on? Yeah, Phoebe's just like, he bought food buying flowers for his girlfriend. Yeah. So she asks how the flowers were and Eric's like, oh, she loves them. They're all she's talked about. Yeah. Uh, he's like, we should go get some hot chocolate together sometime mm-hmm. because it's a Christmas movie. And although in this case, it's because there wasn't enough hot chocolate there for both yes. of them. But like, like Justice pointed out to me while we were watching it, every Christmas movie, when somebody asks somebody out for drinks, it's not like, hey, do you want to go get coffee? Or, hey, do you want to go get a beer? It's, hey, do you want to go get hot chocolate? It's always hot chocolate. And I don't know why, but it bothers me. Okay. I think it's because if they said hot coffee, People would have a like flashback to the Grand Theft Auto stuff. They'd be like, hey, do you want to go get a, a cup of hot coffee? And old people would be like, hot coffee? Wasn't that that them their sex mod on that video game? <laughs> okay. So Eric lets her take the small little sample of hot cocoa. And he writes his number and name on it. And this is where he learns her name is Phoebe. Yay. No, it's not. He doesn't learn her name here. Yes, he does. She says her name. No, she doesn't. Could have sworn she did. Nope. Oh, well. <laughs> So we get back to the flower shop. Phoebe's talking to Lori again about running into Eric, and she's kind of upset because she's like, he's cute, but he definitely has a girlfriend. Lori's like, you found one cute guy, I'll find another. And she's like, Christmas isn't about finding cute guys, though. It's about Candy Cane Lane, obviously. Yes. And then we cut to Eric, and this is the perfect himbo scene. So he's walking out of the back room (laughs) with a cat in his arms. God damn it. Petting the cat, and he says, shh, 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 who's a good puppy? Or that's a good puppy, something like that? The exact quote is, shh. Hi, little puppy. Yes, yes, that's what it is. So I have to assume this was audio they recorded for like another scene or something where he was probably with a dog. Nope. And then they were putting it back in. But he says that to a cat. So the by this point, we'd already been making this, jokes about him being a bit of a himbo. This is this, the nail in the coffin. This is a minute. We're like, there's no denying it. He is a himbo. He thinks that is a dog. The best part of this scene, though, is like Sylvia's like, oh, it was everything okay because you're here early. And he's like, 
oh, it was just having an allergic reaction. And, like, my brain is like, of course it was having an allergic reaction. You thought it was a dog. You gave it the wrong medicine. That's what the problem is here. <laughs> it's fucking great. It's literally wonderful. So, whoever, Adam. Whoever the editor is that is responsible for this scene. They made you. the movie, like, 100 times better? Thank you. So, Adam comes in, and Adam's also like, what, what are you doing here? They explain that the cat it's a cat that the puppy had an allergic reaction sure sure so i I do want to clarify my immediate thought was that the cat's name was puppy because people do that but with subtitles on puppy is still lowercase so it's not a name not a proper noun baby he just calls the cat puppy so then adam's following eric into like the back room so we get another shot so we can see the room that he walked out of it's not like they had cages for animals and stuff and there was a dog and a kennel that he was saying hi to you while passing no no it's just a little desk area so he was definitely talking to the cat. And then Adam is on him about like this party thing at the restaurant and still going on about it. And Eric mentions that, you know, he gave his number to a girl. And after a point, he starts pretending the cat's talking to him and it comes across as even more himboy. And it's wonderful and I love it. Yeah, I know that he definitely doesn't have Phoebe's name yet because Adam's like, oh, what's her name? And he's like, oh, we're still uh, talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They also mentioned that Eric split from his ex-girlfriend Leslie here. So in that moment, we were... Still caught up on the whole cat thing, and he definitely gave the wrong medicine, so headcanon. The reason why she left him is actually because he accidentally poisoned, like, her dog. No, it was definitely her pet bird. He's like, aren't they all dogs? (laughs) This one's weird. He doesn't have fur. Where's his other two legs? (laughs) Why is his mouth so hard? Poor guy must have been in an accident. He's missing his front two legs. It doesn't have any teeth. I mentioned that because every animal he ever holds, he's like, don't look at these teeth. Aren't they so nice? And he pulls its lips back. Every animal he holds in this movie. Yeah, basically. He doesn't say anything about the teeth, but he does like mess with their mouth, which is weird. Yep. Every single one. So we cut back to Phoebe and Lori and Phoebe is setting up boxes for their equivalent of Toys for Tots, which is Jingle All the Way. So I have to assume the only accepted present to put in all those boxes are Turbo Mans. I think it'd be fairly fine if you gave him, oh, what's the pink? No, no one wants him. Buster. That's no one it. wants Buster. I think you just put one Buster in with all the Turbo Men. <laughs> just to fuck over one of the foster kids? Oh, that's another thing. This whole thing's for foster children, not like orphans or like an orphanage or like just, specifically foster children. Which, you know, that's fine. It becomes weirder later Yep. when they want to take all of the foster kids to one specific area, which seems to go against the idea of integrating foster children into a nice, comfortable home where, you know, hopefully they would be spending the holidays with that family, the people who are fostering them, but that's not what's happening, which is weird because this is a smaller town, so I have to assume there's not a lot of foster families, so you're very much pulling out several children. Look, I don't remember the name of the community this was shot in in Canada. Monotuck? Monot- maybe. Something it, like that? It was, it's, it's, a, it's a town that has like a population of like less than 5,000. There can't be that many foster children in a community of 5,000. That said, the retirement center in Monotuck fucking like damn like that place is so nice for a place you stick old people to die yeah but so phoebe and Lori are talking and phoebe's complaining about how most places already have all the volunteers they need which that's not that's not true yeah and then joe will comes in and he's like he's delivering flowers i said joe i said joe this time well when you said i guess it sounded like no you you just you just assumed i was wrong because that's who you are pause the shit play it back I'm not pausing this. Pause to... this shit. Play it back. I'm not pausing this to play back to prove I'm right. I'll show you later that I'm right. Uh, anyways, Joel shows up. 
that time you said it. I said it on purpose like that. Sure, sure. So Joe shows up and Joe's just like, nah, there's this thing I do. I set up decorations for old people. At this nursery home. Like the nurseries and stuff that I get stuff from because he supplies this flower shop with plants. They don't run their own nursery which is, you know, where people grow plants. He takes things that they're not selling or they have left over and he honestly, uses them to set up at this nursing home. Honestly, vertical integration. If they had their own nursery, they could save money on the stuff they sell because they would be supplying themselves. Vertical integration. Maybe if they were smarter business people, I could believe that she could own her own house. Phoebe doesn't have the money to invest in a plot of land and grow stuff because she bought a house. She just took all the profits. I could see it. She is kind of selfish and entitled. Yeah, so... Obviously, this is going to be an instance where Phoebe and Eric are going to run into each other at the nursing home. I was really hoping we'd see more Joe at the nursing home than we get. Right. Because so far, we've had two scenes with Joe, and both of them, his line delivery is better than 99% of the movie, other than flowers. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing they're doing better than Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he also mentions that they have as much gingerbread cookies as you can eat. Yes. And then we see Phoebe dropping off a box for this Jingle All the Way program at the veterinary clinic. Yep. Phoebe takes one of the, the Jingle All the Way boxes to the local vet clinic. And she runs into Eric here, obviously. Eric finally convinces her to go get coffee with him. Which he does because she like tries to back out also, of it. Also, hey, Justice. This is an instance of a, of a Christmas movie actually asking somebody out for coffee. I'm pretty... No, no. He mentions hot... He, no, he mentions hot chocolate. And then he mentions the coffee place across the street. But he specifically asked her to go get a cup of coffee in this scene. Pretty sure it was hot chocolate again. Nope. Anyways, though. So he invites her because he's about to go on lunch. She's just like, well, I gotta go do these boxings. He's like, the coffee place right across the street has great drinks. And I'm more than certain they'd let you put a box up. Mm, look at Eric. Except he doesn't say it. Smarmy and smug like I just did. I don't know why I did that. Mm, Eric destroying any chance he ever had with Barista Girl. Yeah. So then they're at the coffee place and they're kind of just talking about his job at first. And then what they do for Christmas stuff. They're new stuff because they both mentioned at the store that they were trying new Christmas things. Yeah, because he's not normally in town for Christmas and her Christmas tradition is dead because it was old people and old people have to move on with their lives because they're dying. Yeah, that's another thing about small towns. There's not a lot of young people normally. They are generally aging societies, aging cities. It's not good. It's hard to find a place to live. That may have been how she got it. She could have found a deal because the person had just died and they were trying to sell the house pretty quickly. Anyways, we then cut to the nursing home where Joe and Phoebe are setting up Christmas decorations. By setting up Christmas decorations, I mean Joe has Phoebe carry in like a box of poinsettias. And that's all we see of him in the scene. That's all we get of Joe. Also, Phoebe hates old people. Yes, we see Maggie with a star getting ready to go put it up. And Phoebe's just like, oh, you can't do that. Let me get it. Takes the star from her. And Maggie's like, seems annoyed by it appropriately. Because Maggie seems entirely healthy, just an older lady. So Phoebe goes outside, climbs up a ladder, and puts it on top of a tree. And Maggie's like, no, and he's got a little to the right. No, 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 too far to the right. A little to the left now. Nope, that's too far back. Move it forward a bit. Take it back, daddy off. Oh, you know what the problem is? That's the wrong tree. I love it because she gets great, simple revenge that doesn't actually cause anyone any harm, but she gets great revenge for someone being uh, sumptuous, wrong, and not even like really actually talking to her, but kind of patronizingly treating her like she doesn't have value. Being ageist. Exactly. This was active discrimination on Phoebe's part. Anyways, Maggie's friend Rhoda shows up and she's like, stop it. You're being such a, I don't know what she calls her, like- Mm. Something that means pain in the ass. But, Troublemaker. But is old people talk for pain in the ass. So insert your own euphemism there. Yeah, so then Maggie sits down with Phoebe and she's just talking about how she knows Joe and Phoebe's flower business. 
And Maggie and her friend mentioned that... Rhoda specifically mentions... That they were making wreaths or talking about trying to make wreaths. Yeah, they're going to make wreaths later. And Phoebe's like, oh, that's not that hard. And they convince her to come and teach and help out with it. Well, they don't even have to convince her. She's like, oh, yeah, I, I do that professionally. Let yeah. me, I'll come and help you guys yeah. out. And Maggie gives her some gingerbread cookies. And then Eric shows up. And uh, things immediately sorry. become awkward. Rhoda, go- Rhoda goes to tell the rest of the girls... Yes. ...that they're going to have a professional helping them do the wreath weaving. Wreath weaving. And so then after Rhoda leaves, because apparently this movie can't have more than three people on camera at any given time, that's when Eric shows up. I like wreath breathing. It just sounds like you're going around after everyone has set up their wreaths and you're just murdering them all. <laughs> wreath breathing. America doesn't have Boxing Day. Can that be our Boxing Day? Anybody that still has their wreaths up on December 26th? You just come through with like a tiny little sickle or scythe and cut it down. I like the better idea that wreath wreathing day is essentially the purge. But if you have your wreath left on your door, you're you're like, I was literally it's the bu- same thing as having your light on for Halloween. I it's was like- literally about to make a similar joke, <laughs> but treating it more like reavers from Firefly. Wreath wreathing day. If you have the wreath up on your door, that's the same as having your lights on for Halloween. That means the <laughs> reavers could come in and wreath you. Uh- and then, if you survive, you're going to become one of them. Oh, Jesus. Can, so you, then, can you tell it's 5 a.m.? So then Eric shows up, and things immediately become awkward. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it goes from, like, this really good, actually pretty good chemistry between Maggie and Phoebe to just awkward. Yeah, and this is where Phoebe finds out the poinsettia was for Maggie. The poinsettia was for Maggie. And, like you said, the scene gets really awkward, and then Eric and Phoebe walk out together. Although, part of the reason why this scene is awkward is just because whoever decided to put mute background music into the scene was like, what is the tensest, most ridiculous-sounding Christmas music I can find? Yes, that, and they have, the way they do Eric's dialogue about the gingerbread cookie, yeah. of which there are no more, and he was really looking forward to because apparently Maggie's the one that makes them, Yeah, comes across as really awkward. Like, he you, seems- He's Phoebe had the last one, yeah. yeah. Eric's character seems actually upset about it, which as a himbo, makes sense. As a himbo, just like, that was the thing he'd been focusing on for, like, the entire week in my head. He's like, I haven't even had dinner. I was just going to have that cookie. All I wanted was was the cookie. Gonna have a great cookie. He did it all for the cookie. My my aunt, my aunt made all me a for the cookie. I heard you. I ignored you this time. <laughs> Look. Uh... So then they're outside, and we learn Eric's tragic backstory. His parents died in a car crash when he was six, and his aunt Maggie raised him. He's one solid moment for being a vigilante. Honest to God. He's rich, an orphan. Do we know he's rich? His house doesn't look like he's rich. His his grandmother, but, his aunt is definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. wealthy. When she dies, which will be his motivation to become a vigilante, he's going to inherit her money, and then he becomes a vigilante. Anyways, turns out Phoebe stole a gingerbread cookie from the kitchen after he mm-hmm. said that they were out of gingerbread cookies. So where did this gingerbread cookie actually come from? Yeah. Um, it implies to me that while other people are setting stuff up, she snuck into the kitchen, pocketed a cookie, and would let her give him one. It was just like, oh, I'll just keep this other one for later. Yeah, this is also the scene where Eric actually gets her name, yes. and then she gives him her phone number, too. And uh, she mentions getting hot chocolate, and he's just like, I thought you were interested. And she was like, I thought you had a girlfriend. Which, you know what? Fair. Yeah, that was the one redeeming feature of her throughout this movie so far. It was just like, yo, he's clearly involved with someone. I'm going to back off. Respectable. I don't know if that's respectable, or if she could have just been like, hey, was that poinsettia for your girlfriend? It's the most respectable action she has, okay? No, the most respectable action she has is she could have just fucking asked. 
No, no, no. I'm saying it's the most respectable action she has done oh, okay, or will yeah, do fair. in this movie. It is the most respectable action the character I has. I mean, she volunteers for a whole bunch of stuff. That's, like, super respectful. Like, she's, like, doing toys for tots and, like... But it's all out of the selfish motivation to give herself... Okay, it follows down to what makes a good motive or not. I think because that's all purely selfish as it means to make Christmas somewhat important to her. Arguably, she's doing good things, but I don't think she's doing good things for the right reason. Yeah. Anyways, we're back at the flower store. Phoebe make, makes another wreath, and Lori is selling flowers, and the poinsettias are just selling like crazy. So Lori is like, hey. they're selling like hotcakes, but they're not hotcakes because they're plants, and plants aren't hotcakes. And Lori's like, hey, has um, what's his name called you? And she's like, no, it's only been a couple of days. And she's like, well, if he's not gonna call you, you know, you could come to dinner at my place just to get your mind off of him. Yes. And then we cut to Eric, and he's doing vet stuff, and he finishes up. It's pretty late because you know he's busy. Yeah, he was just working with a doggy, mm-hmm. which was actually a dog this time. Or was it? And he calls Phoebe, and she's just like, I, I have plans. I just made plans. And he's like, uh, okay, another time, I guess. Yep. They're both upset by this because, like, if he had called earlier, they would have always been able to have plans for the night. But because Phoebe is like, oh, my friend just invited me to dinner, I can't do it. But anyways, at dinner, turns out Lori only invited Phoebe to set her up with Jeff Bezos' imposter number four, Greg. Yes. Also, when she gets, the, she gets there, Greg is like, oh, hey, I'm Greg. I'm sure that you've heard about me. And... Lori and Pete, Lori's husband, have uh, mentioned you to me a lot. Yeah, and Phoebe's like, I've never, I've literally never heard of you. And Pete's like, you didn't tell her, Lori? And Lori's like, oh no, I definitely told you. He he plays remember? basketball with Gray. He plays basketball with Pete, remember? So Phoebe pulls Lori aside and she's like, what the fuck is this? And it's just proof Lori's a bad friend. It's awkward for Greg. It's awkward for Pete. It's awkward for Phoebe. The only person it's not awkward for is Lori. I do want to say for like about a minute. I felt bad for Greg. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, this sucks for Greg. Yes, he looks like a Jeff Bezos imposter, but that's not really his fault. It's also not his fault that he was set up on this blind date and the person that he was having a date with wasn't even told about his existence. Yes. We cut to the dinner and at first I'd say Phoebe was being a bit aggressive to Greg in response, which, you know, kind of valid. But then we actually hear Greg talking. Yep. And Greg doesn't seem to care at all about the fact that she owns and operates a flower business, which is important to her. Well, like, he starts off being like, oh, yeah, so you work for Lori, right? And she's like, well, no, we really, we own the business together. He's like, ah, okay. Well, you know, most small businesses fell in the, the first, first year. years. And she's, and she's like, like, we're well past that. It's like, okay, I mean, I guess it's an all right business idea. Sure, but, you know, like, he comes across as like a stock douche. Like a day yeah. trading douchebag. That's what he comes across as. And he turns out to be a political cartoonist, which means um, he is patently unfunny, but thinks he's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, his art is all right at best. I, I, I took this really important note during this dinner scene. This movie is filled with people I hate. Yeah, and also if we keep in mind that he is a political cartoonist for a small town, we'd also assume he's probably pretty fucking conservative as well. Yeah, you don't have to be a conservative to make conservative comics. Yeah, 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 and I'm just saying probably. I'm saying that strictly just because he's working in a dying medium of newspaper in a small town. Yeah, he's kind of terrible. Anyways, he then walks Phoebe out to her car as she's leaving. And, and like, he's almost a this good person again. is almost redeeming Craig. He's like, look, I know this was really awkward for you. It was awkward for me. It was kind of really lame of them to do this, but... I think you're actually a pretty interesting person, and I'd love to actually, you know, talk to you and get to know you a bit better. Yeah, in a setting where we can both be prepared to, like, talk with each other. It doesn't have to be a date or anything, I'd actually just like to talk to you. This restaurant I'm an investor in is having a Christmas celebration. If you want to go just as friends, just, like, get to know each other, and, like, you may- know, maybe just, you see if there's something that, that could be a thing. You know, just give me a chance. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Honest. You forgot the honest. Oh, sorry. Look, I think 
as a general rule, if somebody's not asking you to be like, hey, Justice, what are some good traits about yourself? Like, if I'm lazy, not, I'm an asshole, I'm kind of a piece of shit, and I'm sarcastic as hell. Those are good things, right? If somebody's not asking you, hey, what are good things about you? And you have to be like, oh yeah, I'm I'm a great people person. I'm a really good listener. Like If like nobody's asking you about any of that shit, and you just start volunteering that information, it's either A, probably. you're not, or B, you're just a douchebag. Yeah. And I think, in this case, Greg is both simultaneously not a nice guy, and a douchebag. My favorite part, though, is she seems uncertain throughout his entire speech until he says he's a nice guy, and then she agrees. Yes. Somehow, after the nice guy, in li- nice guy line, Phoebe agrees to the second date slash not date at the same restaurant holiday party that Adam has got Eric to agree to a blind date at as well. So we cut just to the party. We see Eric and Adam arrive. Obvious plot is obvious. I didn't take notes on the rest yeah. of the scene. We see Eric and Adam arrive. We see Phoebe and Greg arrive. And Phoebe and Greg are talking. And they're just talking about her work. And he says something, and she briefly compares it to flowers, just like the operations of doing things about having deadlines to be organized and prepared. And he's just like, yeah, but uh, they're yeah, but, pretty different. Yeah, politics but, are nothing like flowers. Yeah, but like politics are obviously more important than flowers, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And then she's talking about how Christmas is. He's like, oh, yeah, they, Lori told me how important Christmas was to you. I guess that's a thing. And she's like, what? Is Christmas not important to you? He's like, it's just a little overdone you know i guess if you're a child maybe christmas is important he's not making any of the valid points against christmas and he's just being a dick about it like i know people that really like christmas i don't just immediately go like you're fucking like a child for like liking christmas what the hell's wrong with you i'm just like i get you i don't like christmas enjoy it though like congrats for like having something you really enjoy he does make a very valid point though he's like and honestly i can deal without listening to silver bills 14 times in one month and she's like but silver bills is my favorite he's like Oh, but like, he's right. We don't have to listen to the same three Christmas songs repeatedly. Yeah. There's other options out there. So then Eric's blind date shows up. Phoebe sees him with her. He sees her with Greg. They briefly all run into each other. Things get awkward. And that's basically the end of the scene. People are unhappy. And then back at the old people place, Maggie and Eric are working on Christmas cards together, putting them in envelopes, sealing them shut. And Maggie asks Eric about the party he went to. And Eric's like, eh. It was loud, and I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't hit it off with a girl, so, you know, eh. And also, Phoebe was there with another guy. So and Maggie's like, like, yeah, but from Phoebe's point of view, weren't you there with another woman? And he's and like, oh, oh, you're right, because Eric is a himbo. If there's yes. any single message you can get from our review of this movie, it's that the actor playing Joe, one, one of the best parts of the movie, the three or four scenes he gets. Mm-hmm. and Maggie's also terrific. Maggie is goddamn terrific and the best MacGuffin a movie's had Mm -hmm. like a rom-com movie's ever had and C and I mean this Eric is a himbo and it's better if you think of it that way only way to watch this movie but yeah at the flower shop Lori's trying to help Phoebe rationalize Eric being with a woman she's like well the last time you thought he was he had a girlfriend it ended up being his aunt maybe this is his sister or something yeah also Lori doesn't get to do this legitimately we had resolved our conflict 45 minutes in, we had no more conflict. She reintroduced conflict to this movie. By setting her friend up on a date when she knows her friend is interested in somebody else and talking to that person. We had solved the conflict. There was no conflict. Things were good. And then Lori happened. I think it's just a terrible friend move to A, set your friend up on a blind date and not tell them you set them up on a blind date. Yes. But even more so, set your friend up on a blind date when they're obviously interested in somebody else and like talking to that person and like making potentially romantic movements in that general direction basically what i'm saying is Lori's a terrible friend and i hate her i hate her character as well yes and then somehow of course 
Phoebe brings up that it just doesn't feel like Christmas and mentions Candy Cane Lane again. It all goes back to that bullshit. They talk about that, and then Phoebe basically makes it clear that she thinks Greg is a piece of shit. Laurie needs to, like, here's my notes. Laurie needs to stop trying to solve conflict. She's the one that fucking made this conflict. This movie was over at the 45-minute mark, but Laurie decided to fuck everything up. All my homies hate Laurie. True. Any truers in chat. But yeah, so we then come back to Maggie talking to Eric, and she's like, hey, we're doing this wreath-making class tonight or tomorrow night or some shit very soon you should come and hang out with us yeah and make some wreaths it'll make you feel better and she doesn't tell eric that phoebe's gonna be there which brings me to my next set of notes why am i okay with maggie setting eric up on a blind date but i'm not okay with Lori setting phoebe up on a blind date and i think it boils down to i don't like Lori. well there's that also Lori's was in a private environment with just two other people whereas the one that maggie does is in a public environment where he has no obligation to stay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect anything negatively there if he does leave. It doesn't make Maggie come across as a bad person. Because one, Phoebe doesn't know that Maggie's the one that invited him. He just shows up because, you know, he's related to her. And there's no impetus for them to even interact if he chooses to stay. He can make his wreath not happy to even interact with her. Yeah, whereas Lori, when there she's... Are- outs in maggie's plan Lori didn't set it up with a situation where there's outs she invited her friend to dinner and her friend was the only one unaware that it was a blind date yes so like in that case phoebe's only out is to be like yeah i'm not here for a blind date and leave mm-hmm. which makes Lori, phoebe and pete all look like assholes to greg yeah. like it would have been problematic here if maggie had been like also you should come to the wreath making because phoebe's gonna be there if she had told equivocally Eric that it was going to be a date and didn't tell Maggie, or if she had, you know, told Maggie it was going to be a date with Eric and then Eric didn't know. if she had told Phoebe. Yeah. 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 Anyways, they do wreath making. There's some, like, comedic moments here. Then Eric shows up and Eric and Phoebe kind of work out the issues from the party because, like, yes. they did have a brief conversation there. But now, like, like, oh, so it wasn't really a date for you and it wasn't really a date for you. Neither of us really hit it off with the person we were with. So we're not really, we're, we're both still single. In fact, Eric goes, you know, we should restart. Hi, I'm Eric. I'm single. I'm Eric Kelter. I'm a veterinarian. And single. Yes. And... So they're doing their own wreath making off by themselves because Maggie oversees it too when they're initially meeting up. And after Maggie realizes, hey, they've kind of settled things a bit, suggest that they go do their own wreath making because Eric's falling behind because he wasn't there when I started, which is fine. She acts as a buffer appropriately. And then when things seems fine, sends them off on their own. Maggie, good wingman. Lori, terrible wingman. So Eric and Phoebe are making a wreath and Eric ties his fingers to his wreath. (laughs) And he literally says... I guess I'm not cut out to work with... I guess I shouldn't be trusted with wire. The man is a vet. I realize there are specialized vets, ones that are more interested in doing surgeries and more exotic animals. But every basic vet, like most basic doctors... Have to know how to do stitches. Yeah. And you have different grades of uh, stitches that you do. Some that are basically wires. This man has definitely sewn himself to an animal. (laughs) At some point in the past, that has happened. And then, assumedly in my mind forgotten he had told himself to an animal and thought he was just petting it and tried to set the animal down and then realized he couldn't that is in my head and it's not going away yep anyways their whole like cutesy romancy thing gets interrupted when rhoda's like hey i need help how do i get these christmas lights in my wreath and maggie just shoots her death glares for the rest of the scene she's like what are you doing you stupid 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 person yeah they were about to kiss or some shit like that yeah Mm -hmm. no no they were just like it was something yeah and so the wreath making's done, and everybody's, all the old people have packed away, and Eric's like, hey, you hungry? There should be some leftovers in the kitchen. Like, let's go get some food. Well, 
at the end of the class first, Maggie asks Phoebe about her Christmas plans, and Phoebe's just like, oh, well, yeah. on Christmas Day, I'm going to spend with my family and stuff. And Maggie's just like, I asked about your Christmas plans. There's more than just Christmas Day. You know, you could do this or that or this or that. And she's she's trying to encourage Phoebe to hook up with Erica one of these days. Basically. And legit, I love Maggie. Maggie's great. Yeah, so after all the old people are gone, Eric's like, let's go to the kitchen and steal some food from these old people. Yes. There should be leftovers. So they get back there, and Phoebe's looking through the fridge, and she's like, I don't see any leftovers. And Eric's like, oh, they should be somewhere over here in the other. And she turns around, and he is holding a missile, so he's like, oh, there's no leftovers. I'm a liar. Yes, but he does this after starting oh, yeah. coffee in a microwave. Yeah, he puts coffee cocoa. in a microwave it's cocoa. first. It's cocoa in a microwave. Oh, okay, no, it's coffee. Nope, it- it's always cocoa. I-, I actually legitimately don't know. I think it might he be He pours coffee. it off a coffee maker. Yeah. It's, it's and coffee. then warms it up in the microwave and goes to do this pencil toe thing but let's take a bit too long that he's stopped by the microwave i think it's because he cock blocks himself with a microwave <laughs> yes it's so good also at some point in the scene phoebe took the chance to mention candy cane lane to him and we learned that he had no idea what it was despite having grown up in this town which implies it's not a small town but they act like it is a small town because in a town of like five thousand people there's no way you don't know when there's something as put on as candy cane lane Yep, so Eric and Phoebe plan a dinner date together, and then they kind of part ways. Yes. Eric then gets Joe's name and number for Maggie, because he's come up with a plan of some sort. Yes. I wonder what it could be, if it has anything to do with the title of this movie, or a similar title thing called Candy Cane Lane. I wonder if there's any connection to this at all. So then we get Joe and Eric together at the veterinarian office. And honestly, their scene together was pretty good. And I kind of just wanted them to bro out for the rest of the movie. Joe, no, it was Joe and Lori. Joe and Eric are there because Joe oh, shows yeah. up at the vet clinic. Okay, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was I'm skipping scenes. Because Joe got a pet a puppy. Yeah, Joe got a pet a puppy. That waiting? one was actually a puppy because Joe's not a himbo. So then, like I said, Phoebe and Eric have a dinner date together. And Phoebe has to run out of the shop and leave Lori there to work mm-hmm. and to close. And so Eric shows up to the dinner late. It's the same restaurant from the one with the part where they had the party, but it's not actually actually the same restaurant it's entirely different in the kayfabe of the movie it is yes but like if you have eyes not the same restaurant while eric and phoebe are having dinner joe and laurie are working on something we, do, we can't tell what they're putting together bouquets and wreaths who and stuff. could have any idea i wonder if it has anything to do with the title of this movie yes so back at their dinner date eric suggests that maybe the foster kids could open their presents at the nursing home and have a kind of like a foster kid party for the jingle all the way fundraiser thing where like they all these foster kids come to this old people place and open presents in front of old people they don't know yeah also how does she have any say in this at all this is the first year she's ever worked with this fundraiser with this charity she could propose the idea and they could be like that's weird as fuck as an organization that works with foster families we understand that foster families really care about integrating these children in with their families and giving them a nice happy healthy household which in this situation would reflect on them having a normal christmas not being dragged about because they're foster children or needing to remind them of that Uh, whatever yep and she's like oh that's such a great idea we should do that because the next morning phoebe is going around picking up the jingle all the way boxes filled with toys and she gets to the vet clinic where adam and sylvia are in the back talking about how apparently leslie eric x had called him that morning and how he had hung up and like basically ignored her and was smiling and happy and adam and sylvia are like man i'm really glad things are working out now and phoebe overhears because she walks into the back of a vet clinic she overhears obviously all the wrong things at the wrong time Mm -hmm. and to her it sounds like leslie and eric are getting back together yep and that it's all working out for them and and adam and sylvia are happy for eric because their co-worker and boss and friend is getting back together with a woman who broke up with him on christmas yeah so she takes the toys and dips 
Yeah, so she overreacts so hard that she refuses to go to the Christmas thing for the foster mm-hmm. kids. To the degree that Eric has tried to call her, she hasn't responded. Apparently, Lori has tried to contact her, hasn't responded, has these gifts wrapped in the store, and is apparently going to be late getting them there because she's actively refusing. And she can't go out of her way to be like, hey, Lori, I'm not going to be able to make it tonight, but can you pick up the toys? Yep. Which is why, like, this point reaffirms to me that she is, like, this... It's the all whole for her, ba- yeah. Yeah, like, the whole backing off of, like, oh, he has a girlfriend thing is her only reasonable action. Because while she's doing these things, they're entirely selfish. The moment it doesn't make her a slight bit happy, she doesn't give a fuck. Yep. So Lori picks up the toys and takes them to the old people place. And Eric, Adam, and Lori have a conversation where they all kind of piece together what happened. Yes. So Eric goes off to find Phoebe. And Adam is unnecessarily feeling guilty about the fact. Well, they they like make Adam out to be like a terrible human being because he was having a private conversation in a private room in a facility where people shouldn't just walk through the place wherever they want to. Yes. She should have rang the fucking bell at the reception desk. Because there was one. She just yelled a few times. And waited for somebody to come out. You don't walk into the back of a clinic. You don't walk into the back of a veterinary clinic. Like Also, the toys were in a spot that she could grab. And she could have easily written a note or something like, hey. Yeah. Whatever. So, Eric finds Phoebe. The two talk. Phoebe tries to make Eric out to be a bad guy because he didn't tell her mm-hmm. about his past engagement to this woman. They, they he, do. When they've known each other for two weeks. Yes. Phoebe and Eric have known each other for two weeks. He has no... There is no reason why he should have had to disclose his entire, like, past to her because they've known each other for two weeks. True. There is a cute moment before this, though, when he gets there, they repeat the Christmas emergency thing, which is kind of cute, I guess. They've, the they've, did, the they've gone on one actual date together. One. No reason he should be having to disclose his entire past. Oh, no, no. I completely agree. So they resolve that and they head to the nursing home. Yeah. And so he's like, we should go around back instead of going in the front doors. Yes. And she's like, why? And he's like, we have something to show you. And what do you know? It's candy. It's a tiny version of Candy Cane Lane. And it's at the old people's home and it's going to be a new annual tradition. And there's a bunch of kids running around. And Eric spent so much money out of his own pocket to make this happen. Yes, we did. Jesus Christ. A scene earlier that we just didn't mention where he was at a grocery store and buying all the Christmas lights there and were everything. Two carts full of Christmas things. Yep. So, passively speaking, Eric is rich. In fact, everyone is rich. That's movies. Also, when they run into Adam in the Candy Cane Lane Festival thing, he apologizes. No, no he doesn't. Adam doesn't apologize. Eric forces him to apologize. Yes. And Adam says something about how he just shouldn't talk about stuff. I shouldn't talk about people's private lives. Dude, Eric is your actual best friend. And like, yeah. if you can't talk about your best friend with another friend because he hangs out with Sylvia outside of work. They're not just yeah. co-workers. Like, if you can't talk about your best friend with your friend. What the fuck? Especially when you should have had any, like, any normal person would have had it. Like, actually, legally speaking, you would have been able to argue that you had a assumption of privacy there yes. there's no reason why somebody who doesn't work at that clinic should have come back there into the back rooms so in this bit in candy cane lane we see all the secondary characters again and we get the whole unreasonably blaming adam for shit and then eric takes phoebe aside to give her a present not yet hold on they run into phoebe's parents oh, yeah. and phoebe's dad takes her aside and he's like this guy he's a good man only a good man would spend all this money on a woman for something he's never seen or experienced. He's a good man. If you mess this up, you're a bad person. Yes, we also see her mother for the first time since the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then Eric takes Phoebe aside to give her a present. And the present's the mistletoe from the kitchen yes. of the old people's Mind home. you, there was this moment because 
it's a oh, Hallmark God, I, I, or a Lifetime movie where Josh was just going, don't, don't fucking propose. You better not fucking if, be proposing. If there's a ring in this fucking box, I'm burning this movie to the ground. But no, it's mistletoe and they kiss and end of movie. Yeah, that's the end of the movie. Mistle- like, the mistletoe there is fine. It's sweet. It's not, like, obviously imposing. But, like, if I had a bingo card for Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movies, I'd have been really, I'd have been really confused why my Hallmark, why my bingo card didn't have Love Interest Turns Out to Be a Prince. And Love Interest proposes in too short of a time period on that bingo card lit up. Like, I would have been so confused by that. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, Justice, what did you think of Candy Cane Christmas? Honestly, not a bad Christmas movie. So, obviously, there's that little detail of saying not a bad Christmas movie. Overall, not a not a great movie, but it's a good Christmas movie. Christmas movies have a lower bar, obviously. And this movie does do a few decent things, like, to avoid the more classic Christmas movie tropes. Like, one, obviously, no proposal at the end. They don't do the Prince thing. The Prince thing's not always a thing. It's been more recent than, like, the last five years. It's been ridiculous. Where someone's secretly royalty. I uh, don't, they... don't remember where I watched this or what it was, but there was a Christmas mm. movie I've seen in the last couple years where the male protagonist turns out to be the prince of Liechtenstein. believe it was our sister watching a christmas movie i love Liechtenstein as a country but that's just a stupid concept yes they also avoided the whole ms mcgraw was selling her house so there's the classic thing of oh well the love interest is going to be the person in that house now yeah i 100 percent spent like the first hour of this hour and a half movie and like oh yeah obviously he bought this house that's why he's spending christmas here for the first time in a long time he's not he's not typically at a house here he typically just comes and visits but now he has a house yeah like that's what i thought it was gonna be and like he was gonna convince all the neighbors to do christmas i do a candy cane lane like that's what i thought the movie was going for it didn't nice swerve yeah they avoid a few of the tropes but it's it's still kind of you know tropey that's how you make a christmas movie but overall a good christmas movie and watching this with eric as a himbo easily makes the movie fantastic i'm actually excited to rewatch the movie tonight with the discord yeah because i for the first 25 30 minutes of the movie i didn't think of him as a himbo yes i was just like god this dude's such an asshole but now that he's 100 percent a himbo in your mind there's no way he's not a himbo who the fuck calls a cat a puppy and like god he's so stupid while being able to supposedly actually do nice quality stitches ties their hand to some pine (laughs) jesus he's such an idiot ah Yeah. So what are your thoughts on Candy Cane Lane, whatever, Candy, Candy Cane Can- Christmas? Candy Cane Christmas. So I'm going to be honest, this wasn't my first choice of movie for this year. There's another movie that you've now watched. Letters to Satan Claus. That's just not available anywhere except on sci-fi because sci-fi hates the world and doesn't want to let their movies out to the public. I randomly caught it on actual satellite television because I was somewhere where that was. You were somewhere where somebody still had cable. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, I want to watch that, but I guess maybe next year. But when we found out that a streamer who we watch sometimes and who's in some communities we're in was generally all around was good it, person was in this movie, I was like, we gotta fucking watch this. And Honestly, you know, worth it. I've seen worse. I've seen worse. I've seen a lot worse. Christmas movies in general are garbage. All the Tim Allen Santa Clauses. Yeah, basically. The first, because the first Santa Claus is like okay. There's moments in that movie I like. Any of the sequel Rankin Bass films? Yeah, like the animated Rudolph one. That one, that one's bad. The claymation's great. The animated is bad. Yep. Anyways, yeah. So a few quick things to take care of here on the co-pilot side of stuff. First, we have that Discord viewing of. Candy Cane Christmas tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Christmas Day, December 25th. In addition, 
just like last year, we're doing a Co-Pilots Christmas giveaway. So yeah. if you email us with the subject line Co-Pilots Christmas, and in that email you attach either an Amazon wish list or a Steam wish list or something like that. A wish list. A wish list that we can anonymously buy you something from and send it to you. That means those are all options within the Amazon wish list function. Yeah. Um, you can set it up so that people can buy you stuff without knowing where you live. Unless you're okay with us knowing where you live, obviously that's a, that's a thing too. But just so you can maintain your anonymity, just email us a link to your wish lists, and one lucky passenger will have something worth fifty dollars or less bought from their wish list and sent to them. Yeah. So that could be you. You could get fifty dollars of free Christmas presents from a podcast you listen to. Then my podcast give me stuff. That's not true. Only if I back them on Patreon. Anyways. Thank you for listening to this review with us. Thanks for joining us on Christmas, spending your time with us. You have until January 1st to send that email. Mm-hmm. On January 1st, we will be picking our winners and sending them notifications to let them know they have won the Candy Cane, the Co-Pilots Christmas, not the Candy Cane Christmas. The Co-Pilots Candy Cane Christmas giveaway. Otherwise, if you want to contact us for any other reason, you can reach us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Same email for the contest. You can find us on Twitter at copilotsreview. Or you can find us on our website at copilotsreview.symbolcast.com, which also has a link to our Discord, which again, tonight we're watching Candy Cane Christmas at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm -hmm. Also on there, you can find a link to our email, our Twitter, and our YouTube. Oh, before before we go, one last thing. January 2nd is still Christmas. We're still reviewing Christmas stuff on January 2nd because Santa Incorporated is terrible. And And we don't count that. And the show we were originally going to review is much better, and we're really excited to review that, so we're still doing it. Christmas is in January still, bitches. They can be in July. We can do one day in January. Anyways, though, thank you guys for flying with us throughout this year, and hopefully we'll see you again in 2022.